welcome. We're here with Rita Marion. Rita takes care of aged care with ease. That's her area of specialty, uh, supporting the carers on their caring journey, proud owner of aged care with ease and providing a sensible, sensitive solution and support network for the sandwich generation. Welcome, Rita. Hi, Tina. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. It's great to be here with you and thanks a lot for oh, inviting me over. Um, yeah, look, I deal with the sandwich generation, as you said, that's the generation that are in their 50s. They've got kids and we all left having kids far too long. Yes. So <laughs> we've got teenagers and we're now caring for our aged loved ones. You see, we're an ageing workforce caring for an ageing population mm. and it is really difficult. How do you manage it? You're stuck. You're the sandwich in the middle. Yeah, So that's how true. do you cope with it? Like, you're working longer. Yep. Uh, living my, longer? You're living longer. <laughs> and actually, this really interesting fact came out to me uh, just last week. I spoke to an ACAT assessor here in the Hornsby area, and we have the most over 85-year-olds in Australia. That is incredible. It's, it's, the figure is just astounding. Mm -hmm. I always knew there was a lot of aged care homes around here, but not enough to cover all these people. So... Um, who looks after them? That is so true. And there must be quite a number of people in this sandwich generation who are caring for them at home and juggling their own households and then their parents. And it actually doesn't matter if you're caring for your age one, aged loved one in your home, their home or a home. It is still tough. Oh, yeah. Even if they are in an aged care facility, there is still a level of care that needs to happen. Taking them to medical appointments. Oh, true. Um, also, there's this guilt that happens. Mm, guilt's a big one, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Actually, yesterday we put my partner's 94-year-old mum into respite for four weeks. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So you can have so a little break for we four weeks. We need a break. Yeah. And, and you know what? She needs a break. Yeah. So how do you find a respite that you're happy with? And, and what, what would be some indicators of a good respite? Because I've heard, I have to be honest, I've heard of good and bad respite. Look, and the word respite has its own connotations. There is so much to it. And it is really important to go to the places that you're looking at. The first thing we did was ask our family doctor. Oh, okay. He's um, been our, well, been Maureen's doctor for 35 years now. So he knows her very well. True. Knows what she's like. He also goes to these facilities twice a week. So he's there constantly. So I trust him. Yeah, so if he's got a good feel. Anything that's going wrong with her, he will pick it up. It's about going and talking to the people. And when I went in and spoke to where we've put her, I looked not at the person giving me the tour. I looked at the residents. Exactly. I looked at the staff, how they were dealing with the residents, and that's what won me over. Oh, good. And it was, yeah, it, it wasn't easy dropping no, her did off. did she go willingly? Can I ask, or is it, it, look, it something that she's willing to do, or, be, or does she feel like you're sort of offloading her? Um, that's a very big <laughs> question she asked there. Um, it's what a she, little bit mixed. She, look, she understands we need a break. Yes. She understands she needs a break mm -hmm. because COVID has really hit hard for us. Yeah. Um, I've given up my part-time job. Right. Because I was working at Erskineville and I didn't want to travel for yeah. over an hour on the train each way. No. I just didn't want to bring that home to her. She's 94. I don't want to be out in society a lot. 
I, I'm really being very cautious. We do the whole mask when I'm at a shopping centre. Right. So does my partner. Yeah. We are very careful. We used to take her out once a month for lunch at the club. We Don't. haven't done that for no. a year. That's a shame, isn't it? We do take her for drives, but we eat in the car. Yeah. Oh, that's a good compromise. Yeah, she you loves Brooklyn. She loves down at Brooklyn, so we take oh, her down right. there and, and oh, sit in the car park. Very pretty down at Brooklyn. So it's about adjusting. Mm. And I suppose a little bit about what I deal with people is you don't know what you don't know. That is so true. And so if you are going to an aged care facility to have a look and see if it's okay, have a talk to someone that's had to do it before. Yeah. There's things you just don't know. There's things that you're not looking for when you go in there. I've been to a number of them. My dad used to be in an aged care facility before he passed. Mm. And I found that there's different things you need to look for. It's not necessarily the cleanest place that you're looking for. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, if stuff's piled up in the corner, Mm. that's probably not a great thing either. Mm. But if they're willing to take feedback easily, if they're willing to discuss things with you. Yeah, if they're approachable. That's really important. Yeah. And the residents, the other residents is really important, looking at them and seeing what they're like. I found that when I had my father, it was really important for me to be involved with the home. Um, you don't want to be there every minute, no, every day. No, you can't be either, yeah. And it was really difficult. Mm. We actually moved my dad from the Gold Coast down to Canberra where I was living And so we took him away from the first aged care home he was in. And it's not just that easy putting someone in aged care, by the way. You have to have an ACAD assessment. Oh, right. You have to have the right level. So you can either have high or low. Right. Depending on the needs of your aged loved one. And that depends what funding they get from the government as well. Oh, right. Because the government actually funds every aged care resident as well. Okay. So they give, and I'm not sure of the money, but I know when my dad in 2012, 2013, it was around $20,000 a year that they were paying. okay. So that's quite decent. They actually fund quite a bit. Okay. So you need to really... um, be aware of these things. You yeah. need to look at the funding. How do you pay for mm. your aged care? Mm. And how you don't know how long you're going to need it either. Respite's a bit different. You yes. should go in for a time. Oh, that's a, true. And they say it's a certain amount, right? Yeah. Usually, and the best time to do it is four weeks. Is it? Two weeks isn't enough for you to have a break. Uh, the first week you're still coming down. Oh, that's true. It's just like school holidays. Yeah, it takes you right? a week to get into it. Yeah, and then mm. a week and it's gone and you're back mm. you're back doing it. That's so true. four weeks is a good amount of time. If they're going into aged care permanently, you need to consider your RAD and your DAP, which is either your residential daily fee right. or your deposit that you have to pay. Mm. And it is really important that you get financial advice about this, especially if one of your aged loved ones stays living in the home, you don't have to sell your home. Okay, yeah. To say, to say, to mum, mum, it. just say, mum's had a fall and they need her to be in, in a home. Yeah. Dad's still living at home. They're not going to kick him out. No. They will not kick him out. But what they will do 
is take that into account. Um, my circumstance, I live in a granny flat out the back mm. and we care for my partner's mum. Yeah. You know, so we're still living in the property with her. Yeah. There's so lots if, of different scenarios, aren't there? So don't do it by yourself. So you don't know this stuff. I thought I was a really smart cookie. Okay? When, <laughs> I, I, when I was going through all this with my dad, I really thought I was a smart cookie. I was working in the public service. I actually worked for prime minister and cabinet. Mm. And, you know, I had a top security clearance and all the rest of it. And honestly, it floored me. All this paperwork, everything you needed to know, the RAD, the DAP, where we're going to get the money from, how do I get the ACAT? Dad went from being a low resident to needing high residential care. I had to take him out of low, put him in to respite where we had to pay extra yeah. for a month and then put him into high and then move him to Canberra. And it, it was... Wow. It, it was just confusing. And I guess that's why you often say the caring journey. <laughs> and it is. Because there's so much can happen along the way. There is so much. And also with my father, he was uh, legally blind. Oh, yeah. So he had macular degeneration. He was under treatment by a doctor up in Coolangatta where he had his eyes injected every month. Oh, yeah. Which was really difficult. I had to find the same treatment in Canberra and have someone take him on before I could even... Think about moving him down there, unless I couldn't have done it. Yeah. Uh, it was difficult. It really yeah. was. So there's so many things you need to consider. Yeah. And I haven't even got into the actual moving him down there. So how difficult was it to move your father from the Gold Coast down to Canberra? In Coolangatta Airport doesn't have the airlock. They have stairs where you have to go up. Oh, right. My father couldn't walk up those stairs. So they put him on the cargo lift that went up. And my father was a little bit of a character, so he's standing there practising ballet hanging onto the bar. Oh, dear. While my sister <laughs> Yvonne and I are having pink kittens in the actual terminal <laughs> while he's doing it. So it wasn't just that. It was having to take medications for the trip. It was to have snacks for him to eat and a drink that he liked. Made sure he went to the toilet beforehand. And it's quite easy taking a toddler to the toilet before going oh. on a flight. But how do you take an 87-year-old man to the toilet that's legally blind? I don't know. <laughs> and getting all sorts of funny looks from everyone. Yeah. It, it's just all those little things. Yeah. Um, having a big enough taxi to fit his bags in and his walker and yeah. everything because we were moving him down. I did get a removalist to take the majority of his stuff, but yeah. that wasn't coming for a few days. So I needed to have enough mm. his clothes. To get him by to get him sorted when he yeah. went to his new home. So it's all those little things that yeah. you, until you actually go through it and do it, until you live through it, yeah, you just don't know. And all these little things in isolation are enough, but to have them all sort of conjoined as well where you've got that, then you've got to sort out the eye specialist and then settle him in in Canberra. And, and you're working full-time yeah. and you have a teenage son and your 30-year marriage is on the rocks before all this happens. Yeah. And you're still grieving because your sister passed away eight months prior. Mm, that's a lot. And it's just, it just was really difficult. Yes. It was really hard. Um, and then my then husband had a heart attack 12 months to the day that my sister had her cardiac arrest and passed away. Wow. So I was standing in the hospital 
and freaking out. And the, and the staff are going, it's okay, you're not the one having a heart attack. He's the one having a heart attack. Uh-huh. And I Little said, do they know. <laughs> and he, he was really good. I've got to give him this. He's saying, look, it's okay. Her sister went through this and he was explaining everything. But that took its toll on me. Yeah. Everything did. It wasn't one thing. It wasn't caring for my dad that did this. It wasn't grieving for my sister. It wasn't my 30-year marriage on the rocks. It wasn't my son being a teenager. Mm. wasn't anything. It was everything. That's right. And that's when I learned how to snap the stress cycle. And, and that's what I share with my clients now is how to s- snap the stress cycle. It's, so what does snap? Tell, tell us more about the snap method. Snap is all about stressless a new normal, an attitude of gratitude and preventing burnout. And what I found was you need all those things in your life to build resilience, to make it through the day. You just need those things to help you get through. One of the biggest things I found for me personally was when I changed my attitude, when it became an attitude of gratitude, everything turned around for me. I used to say, I have to go and visit Dad. Right. I used to say, I have to go to work. I have to do this. I have to do that. Yeah. When I changed it and reframed it and said, I want to go visit Dad. Yeah. I want to go to work. Then my life changed and it became easier for me. Isn't that interesting? It's all about reframing how you look at something. Mm. When it's a chore, mm. it's difficult. Mm. But when you attach a sense of love to it, it's different. Yeah. It changed how I did it. And one of the biggest things that's really important is preventing burnout. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Doesn't matter what type of care you're doing, it doesn't matter at all if they're in an aged care home or you're caring for them at home. Compassion fatigue is a huge issue. Mm. Not many people know about it because. You just don't think about you can have mm. fatigued compassion. That doesn't make sense. No. How can your compassion be fatigued? Mm. But it can. And I, mean, it's, I think, yeah, it's an interesting, so that's a really interesting topic that you bring up and I've heard you mention it before, compassion fatigue. And I think, is that where the guilt comes in as well? Oh, definitely. Yeah. What, what happens is the professional carers get trained in this. So your doctors, your nurses, your professional aged carers, they yeah. all know about this. You're getting so much pressure on you, so many sad stories, so many mm. hardships on you. It's a big load. How can you continue to keep giving and giving and giving? Mm. It's really difficult. So what happens then? First, there's four stages to compassion fatigue. All right. So you, you go out and you... You're taking on this caring role and you're really excited about it because you love that person yes. or you love what you're doing Yep. and you're going to do the best you can for them. Nothing's going to be too much. And then it's the same thing over and over again and you get a little bit frustrated mm. and you're thinking, well, you know, why can't I do this different? Why aren't they listening to me? Why, you know, why do I have to do everything? And then you actually get really down and out. Like you just can't cope with this anymore. Yeah. You were just so, I can't get out of bed. I just can't do this anymore. So overwhelmed. 
it is so much overwhelm because there's just too much of it. And the fourth stage is apathy, where you oh. start feeling you don't love them anymore, mm. where you start to feel that it's really difficult. So it's one of those things that you need to be really on the ball about. You've got to be aware of when this is happening and how you're feeling. There's a way around it. There is a way around it, though. It's about talking to someone. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's like about a, having a coffee. Yeah, yeah, reaching out for your support network. So the second part of compassion fatigue is not making caring the only thing you do, that you need to have outside interests, that you need to have time away from the caring and all the responsibilities. I suppose it's having fun. Yeah, yeah, it's, having an outlet. Yeah, it's not just making your life about your have-tos. Yeah, yeah. And having the, a bit of balance. Exactly. And the third thing is about having a great support network. Yeah. Reaching out. It's not just someone to talk to, but someone who's got lived experience. Yeah, makes And they difference. know what they're doing. Yes. That they've been through it and they can guide you because it's a really challenging path and they can help shine a light for you mm. on that path. Yeah. And the fourth thing is outsource some jobs. Oh, you really? really don't need to do this all yourself. Yeah, that is true, isn't it? And I guess that depends on your personality type too, doesn't it? Because some people love to take over and do everything and will not relinquish and others are happy to let go of stuff that they know will unburden them, I guess. And the big thing that you've just mentioned there, which is really important, Tina, is... If someone does do something for you, mm. don't go behind their back and redo it. Oh. Accept with grace that it may not be to your standard, mm. but someone's tried to help you. That's a good point. And, um, and that's mm. how you can get through compassion fatigue. Yeah. And so you can keep on caring. Yeah. Because I'm going to be brutally honest here. Our aged loved ones are living longer. They are. Medication is so much better. <laughs> They are living longer mm. and we're working longer. This is true too, yeah. And it's hard because I think we're a generation that's really experiencing this and maybe I'm not sure about the previous generation but I don't think that the elderly lived as long as this current generation. So these are new frontiers in some respects. My grandmother, bless her beautiful soul, passed when she was 79. Right. My darling mum passed when she was 84. Right. My dad passed when he was 87. Mm. My partner's mum is 94. Exactly. Yeah, it's quite different. And it's a different style. Mum didn't work. I'm 57. Mum mm. wasn't working in her 50s. Yeah. It was different. She could... Our that's grandmother very, lived at home with yeah, us. Yeah, and that's a huge point because we are all working longer. We're working a bigger day and the more technology that comes along, the more we try and fit into the day because we can, so we do. And I want to throw in, we left having our kids long yes. later in life too. Like I had my son when I was 33. Yeah. So when he was 17, my dad was 87. Right. And I can tell you the 87-year-old caused me more troubles than the 17-year-old. <laughs> But it's it's knowing that stuff and, and yeah. working with that. Yeah. But the really big thing, I wasn't by 
on my own. It wasn't just me that's going through no. this. You talk to everyone and there's a story out there. I'm sure. Uh, I help so many people. I'm, I'm helping someone at the moment. Her mum's had a fall and she needs to go into aged care. Right. And she doesn't know where to start. So it's just that's about. That's often how it starts, isn't it, with a fall? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. My mother actually worked in aged care um, as I was growing up as a teenager and I saw a lot firsthand. Um, she was a nurse at a retirement village um, and I was quite surprised how, how quickly things can deteriorate. And it's not just the accident no. that happens. It's not knowing about their financial needs, not having your power of attorney in place, that if something goes wrong that you can make the decisions for your aged loved one. That's a good point, yeah. It's not having their wills in place. Mm. And I talk about this all the time, having that talk early. Absolutely. As I said, I'm 57. I've had that talk with my son. He has a document. Oh, good. That has everything in place. Yeah. Because when my sister passed, she was 57. Oh. So this year's not a great year oh. for me. Just putting that out there. Oh, <laughs> so I, I'm really very aware of that. Because yeah. I would never have thought my sister at 57 would pass. No, this is it. You don't expect, you don't know what you don't know. Like you said before at the beginning of the, um, of the chat. And I think if you can get these conversations uh, underway when you're not expecting it, they're actually less threatening conversations than when you're at the pointy end. And the big issue here is I call it the aged care fog. When something happens and dad's had an accident, and we're all around the bed trying to work out what we're going to do. The hospital's discharging him in two days and he can't go home. What are we going to do with him? Yeah. Your mind isn't clear. No. You can be the smartest person on this earth, but when emotions cloud your mind, bad decisions can be made. Absolutely. So if you have this stuff sorted out before, if you know where the bank accounts are, if you know what money's there, if you know what things to consider, if you have the power of attorney in place, that you don't have to run around and get these signatures, decisions made then and there, you can concentrate on caring for your aged loved one. Yeah, that's a good point. I hope that people take that on board because it's, oh, it's just such a stressful time if you have to, if you, I think you mentioned in a, another chat we had that you wanted to be by the bedside but you were absolutely consumed by running around finding out all these details. When my sister passed, mm. she was, um, I spoke to her Thursday night. She went to work Friday, 6am on Saturday morning, my nephew rang and told me she was on life support because she wow. had to cardiac arrest. She was the only power of attorney for dad. She was the only one that knew his bank account details. Dad was legally blind. He did not know. Mm. So I raced up to Coolangatta to be with Marilyn. She didn't regain consciousness. She was on life support for a week. That week that I should have been sitting by her bedside, stroking her hair, singing her songs and saying goodbye, yeah. I was at the solicitors trying to get Dad, who was totally grief-stricken, because his first-born child, yeah. get him to sign and get Yvonne and I made on um, both dual power of attorneys. Yes. 
So this is why I tell everyone have two power of attorney. So if one happens, you don't have to go through this. And then, of course, they spelled my surname wrong. So, you know, I had to go back and do it again. So that didn't help. But, you know, if I had not had the fog in my brain of worrying about Marilyn. Exactly. I would have noticed I spelt my name wrong when I was signing the paper. Yeah, it's it's a very stressful time and it's a very emotional time. So, So, And that's why... That's why I'm sitting here today, yeah. Tina. That's just why I do what I do. Yeah, and I think it's really relevant and needed and I hope that even just one person listening can grab something from the chat and apply it and make yeah. use of it. And you also have a book. I do indeed. It's called Tough, Tough Times, Tough Decisions. And it's a story about my journey when Dad was in aged care. Yeah. About how tough it was to see my leopard change his spots uh-huh. and be a very different man. Yeah. And how I dealt with it and how some days I didn't deal with it. Yeah. And it's about sharing with people so they know what it's like to go through that, to ease their journey as they go through this yeah. aged care journey. Yeah. Well, that's great. I'm glad you put that out. And I know that... Um, You've you've sold quite a few, and no, I, I think indeed. that it does. Ha- and it's very it's very affordable. And I think um, there's probably I don't think there'd be too much that's similar that's that's out there. It's no. it's really personal, but it's really informative as well. And that's what we wanted it to be. Yeah, I needed it to. It was a healing book for myself. Yeah, but I needed to reach people and say, look, I see you, I hear you, I know what you're going through. This is what I went through and this is how I learned to deal with it. At the end of each chapter, I talk about what I learned. Okay. And, and mm. I share with them what I learned in that part of the journey. And I was very much into essential oils at the time. So there's oh. a lot of essential oils in it as well. <laughs> and there's some affirmations because that's what got me through as well yeah. about being positive. So the book's available on my website, Age Care with Ease. And um, check out my Facebook page because I often have little specials going that okay. I um, I do for the book, and I also have some inspirational care cards as well. And you're also a columnist for the Monthly Green Post. We I can't forget that. Very <laughs> proud to be part of such a great community paper. Yeah. Well, it's great to get your word out there to the whole of Hornsby, Karingai and beyond. And I'm really pleased to have had the time with you today to chat with you about your journey and the aged care the aged care journey. So thank you so much, Rita. Thanks so much, Tina.